Isaiah 30, verse 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. Just as the physical man walks a path, so too does the spiritual man. God said, man said, calls it Route 7, and it runs north and south. Everyone must travel this highway. Route 7 North obedience leads to eternal life in Christ Jesus. Route 7 South disobedience leads to an eternity in the lake of fire. There is only one highway, and the Bible is your roadmap to travel it successfully. Everyone must travel Route 7 without exception. Isaiah 35, verses 8 through 10, And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The prophet speaks of a highway only the redeemed can walk upon. John 14, verses 3 through 6. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also, and whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the highway of holiness. Acts four ten through 12 Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Dear visitor, have you been born again, as Jesus states in John 3, 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You have been traveling Route 7 South disobedience, and that road leads into the lake of fire. Today your eternal soul is in your own hand. In just a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you do, everything will change for you today. All your sins and your shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken. You will be free. Today, you will be born again and traveling on Route 7 North Obedience, even unto eternal life. There is truly a way. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said Psalms chapter 22, 13 through 19. Note, the following prophecy was written approximately 1,000 years B.C. 
They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. God said, Matthew 27, 1 and 2, When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. God said, Matthew 27, 22 through 24, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Man said, I don't know anything about the Bible, and that's the way I like it. I don't need some lame old book raining on my parade. Anyway, if there is a God of love, he'll just love me just the way I am, warts and lesions and all. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said feature 1102 that will for the 1102nd time, confirmed by very credible third-party sources, the perfect supernatural veracity of God's holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the saints and as weapons of bright light to shine upon the devil's dungeons of darkness and to set the captive soul free. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. Christ deniers are not new. Their efforts began at the beginning, at conception, and surely even prior to that. It really is bizarre. They are birthed in his name and buried in his name, yet they deny his name. All of earth's history is measured in Jesus' name. It is divided into dates B.C., before Christ, and dates A.D., and Odomini, in the year of our Lord. This God Said, Man Said feature being produced today is officially dated as Thursday, April 7, 2022 A.D., and the 2022nd year of our Lord. There was a naked pauper hanging on a cross between two thieves on a hill called Golgotha. This naked pauper actually purchased all of the souls of the doomed sons and daughters of Adam who believe and call upon his name. The name of this naked pauper is Jesus Christ, and he died to make men free. The Lord said of himself in John 6, verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, 
which I will give for the life of the world. The glory of his promises to the born again outshines the sun. Yet the deniers will continue to sit in the darkness, professing that they can see as they stumble at noonday. Isaiah 59.10 I am convinced the deniers and the challengers are fully ignorant and in many, if not all cases, willingly ignorant of the Holy Bible. The inerrant truth of God's Word is fully certifiable, and that includes all the miraculous accounts. This certification comes from highly credible, third-party, extra-biblical sources that completely obliterate any reasonable doubt, leaving only the unreasonable. The certification begins at the six-day creation and validates Adam and his rib-wife Eve, the forbidden fruit and the fall of man. There is a literal flood of evidence for Noah and for so-called mythical places as the Tower of Babel and Sodom and Gomorrah. Biblical people, long believed to be characters from fairy tales, are confirmed as real. Moses, who parted the Red Sea. Joshua, who fit the Battle of Jericho. David and Goliath. Jonah and the whale. All real historical people and real historical places. Excuse me. There's also the ultimate certification of the virgin birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ the righteous. Third-party attestation would include the world-changing ministry of Jesus Christ and is ushering in the kingdom of God that dwells in the heart of the born again. It also includes the judgment, the ridicule, the shame, and scourging he endured, the crown of thorns and the nails in his hands and his feet, There is even certification for the mysterious darkness that occurred from noon to 3 p.m. on the day that Jesus died, for the earthquake that occurred when Jesus gave up the ghost, for the miracle of his resurrection on the third day, and for his ascension into heaven on the 40th day, all with credible witnesses. This feature will pull from previous God-said-man-said features from the historicity of Jesus Christ category, before we address new information regarding Pontius Pilate, the man who ordered the crucifixion of the King of Glory, the same Pontius Pilate whom Christ deniers claim never lived, until 1961, that is. God said, man said, geologists say yes to crucifixion. Unfortunately for the Christ deniers, there is a plethora of historic fact that shouts a resounding yes to the biblical record of this Jesus. New research published in the October 2010 issue of Acts and Facts is another addition to the overwhelming empirical evidence stacked up against the enemies of the cross of Christ. The feature was written by renowned geologist Dr. Stephen Austin under the title of Greatest Earthquakes of the Bible. Several paragraphs follow. Recently, geologists have investigated the 4,000-year chronology of earthquake disturbances within the uppermost 19 feet of laminated sediment of the Dead Sea. Hypersaline waters preserve seasonally laminated sediment because organisms cannot live or burrow in the bed of the lake. As a result, only a nearby earthquake or very large distant earthquake can homogenize the lake's uppermost sediment layers, producing a mixed layer devoid of laminations. 
A sketch of a sediment core from the west side of the Dead Sea appears in figure one. The sketch shows the depth of the mixed layers within the laminated sediment sequence. Two deeper mixed layers in the Dead Sea are datable from historical, archaeological, and geological associations with faulting. The earthquakes of 31 B.C., the the Qumran earthquake, and 750 B.C., Amos' earthquake. Other earthquakes are represented in the Dead Sea sediment core with dates approximated by assuming a steady rate of sedimentation, end of quote. The following excerpts are found under the headings of Quamram Earthquake of 31 B.C. and the Crucifixion in Jerusalem, April 3, 33 A.D. A small group of Levites copied scripture onto scrolls at the small village of Quamran in the desert northwest of the Dead Sea. In 31 B.C., a large earthquake occurred along the Jericho Fault on the western side of the Dead Sea. The earthquake dried up Quamran's main spring and severely cracked the architecture. Spectacular evidence of the earthquake is seen at recent excavations at Quamran in cracked stair steps within the ritual baths, grooved fault services, what geologists called slick and slides, and ground rupture within lake sediments can be observed just south of Quamran. Josephus wrote of the regional devastation from the earthquake, and he said 30,000 men perished. The survivors buried the Dead Sea Scrolls, and Quamran lay abandoned after the earthquake. The Bible, of course, is completely silent concerning this earthquake and other events during the intertestamental uh, intertestamental excuse me, intertestamental period. No doubt everyone in New Testament times knew of ancestors killed in that event. After three hours of darkness at midday on April 3, 33 A.D., the Lord Jesus exclaimed the words, It is finished, as he died on the cross. Immediately the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn. A great earthquake occurred, rocks were broken, and many dead saints were resurrected from their tombs. An outcrop of laminated Dead Sea sediment can be seen at Wad Azilim, uh, after the uh, above, excuse me, the southwestern shore of the modern Dead Sea near the fortress of Masada. In this sediment outcrop is a, a distinctive one-foot-thick mixed layer of sediment that is tied strongly to the Quamran earthquake's onshore ground ruptures of 31 B.C., 13 inches above the 31 B.C. event bed is another distinctive mixed layer less than one inch thick. The sedimentation rate puts this second earthquake about 65 years after the 31 B.C. earthquake. It seems that the crucifixion earthquake of 33 A.D. was magnitude 5.5, leaving direct physical evidence in a thin layer of disturbed sediment from the Dead Sea, end of quote. God said, man said, the Christ of Calvary, was he? Was there a Jesus Christ? Does history endorse the Bible's account of the Lord of glory? The answer, of course, is the resounding yes. Cornelius Tacitus, who was born in 55 A.D. and died in 120 A.D., was called the greatest historian of ancient Rome. He was born approximately 20 years after Christ's crucifixion. Tacitus wrote concerning the reign of the Roman Emperor Nero and recorded the following. But not, but not all the relief could come from man, and not all the bounties that the prince could bestow. 
Not all uh, the atonements which could be presented to the gods availed to relieve Nero from the infamy of being believed to have ordered the conflagration, the fire of Rome. Hence, to suppress the rumor, he falsely charged with guilt and punished with the most exquisite tortures the persons commonly called Christians who were hated for their enormities. Christus, Christ, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, a procreator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius, but the pernicious superstition repressed for a time broke out again, not only through Judea, where the mischief originated, but through the city of Rome also. That's a quote from Cornelius Tacitus. Later on, we'll see what enormities the early believers were accused of. The following excerpt is from Joss McDowell's book, The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It reads, Cambridge lecturer Marcus Bookmill notes that Tacitus's comments provide us with testimony by the leading Roman historian of his day, independent confirmation that Jesus lived and was formally executed in Judea and in the reign of Tiberius and during Pontius Pilate's office as procreator, technically still a prefect, A.D. 26 through 36. That may not seem like much, but it is actually surprisingly useful in discounting two different theories which are still sometimes advanced. First, that Jesus of Nazareth never existed, and secondly, that he did not die by the duly administered Roman death penalty. End of quote. Julian, the Roman emperor and ancient enemy of the cross of Christ, wrote the following. Jesus has now been celebrated about 300 years, having done nothing in his lifetime worthy of fame, unless anyone thinks it is a very great work to heal lame and blind people and exercise demonics in the village of Bethsaida and Bethany. So you see that Julian, the Roman emperor, ascribes to Christ the power to perform miracles, end of quote. God said, man said, Jesus Christ. History shouts, yes. One of the most obvious proofs of Christ's place in history is that of the Jewish people who have considerable interest in this issue. Their official position on Jesus Christ by necessity is that he was a bastard, fatherless child, and a sorcerer. By necessity, because if he was born of a virgin, then they would have instigated the crucifixion of their Messiah, for the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah 7:14 reads, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. By necessity, because if the great miracles Christ performed were not acts of sorcery, then those miracles were the seal of God upon the ministry of his Christ. And again, the Jewish leadership would have instigated the crucifixion of their Messiah. The official position of the Jewish authorities in the time of Christ did not deny his existence. They denied his credentials as the Messiah and his ministry. In a previous God Said, Man Said feature, we reported on the record left in the Jewish Babylonian Talmud concerning Jesus Christ. In McDowell and Wilson's book, Evidence for the Historical Jesus, they expanded on that subject. A few paragraphs follow from the Babylonian Talmud. It has been taught, on the eve of Passover, they hanged Yeshua, and an announcer went out in front of him for 40 days, saying, 
he is going to be stoned because he practiced sorcery and enticed and led Israel astray. Anyone who knows anything in his favor, let him come and plead in his behalf. But not having found anything in his favor, they hanged him on the eve of Passover. The Munich uh, manuscripts of this uh, Beretha, Jewish writings, from A.D. 70 to the 200 period, reads, Yeshua the Nazarene. Yeshua translates through Greek to English as Jesus, says Morris Goldstein. The exaction of the death penalty on the eve of Passover is strong verification that Jesus, the Christ of Christianity, is meant. The word hanged also referred to crucifixion. Both Luke 23:39 and Galatians 3:13 use it this way. This Beretha also agrees with John 19:14 in putting the crucifixion on the eve of the Passover. Following the Beretha, Eula, the late 3rd century Amora comments, Would you believe that any defense would have been so zealously sought for him? He was a deceiver. And the all-merciful says, You shall not spare him, neither shall you conceal him. It was different with Jesus, for he was near to the kingship. End of quote. Keep in mind that the position of the Jewish leadership by necessity was that Jesus Christ was born out of wedlock and not, in fact, virgin-born, or, as mentioned earlier, they would have crucified their Messiah, end of quotes. 1961 was a bad year for the deniers, and their fortunes have not improved in the 61 years since. Scholar Lawrence J. McKidiuk spends considerable time identifying people included in the biblical narrative using ancient inscriptions and historians. His work is quoted in the following excerpt uh, from on Deseret.com. Bikidiuk finds decisive documentation, primarily in the writings of the historian Flavius Josephus and in ancient minute coins, for the existence of not only uh, Herod the Great, but of his sons, Herod Archelaus, Herod Antipas, Herod Philip, and Philip the Tetrarch, his grandson Herod Agrippa I, his granddaughter Herodias, her daughter Salome, named in Josephus, though not in the New Testament, where her infamous dance led to the execution of John the Baptist. His great-grandson, Herod Agrippa II, who with Festus listened to the Apostle Paul's defense, as described in Acts 25.13 and 26.32. His great-granddaughter Bernice, or Berenice, or Ber- Berenice, the sister and perhaps the lover of Herod Agrippa II, who also attended Paul's defense, and his granddaughter Drusilla, who eventually married the Roman governor Felix. Perhaps more significantly than the previous characters, though, McKidiuk finds convincing extra-biblical evidence for five Roman legates and governors. Among them are Marcus Antonius Felix and Porcius Festus, also mentioned above, who are described in Josephus and attested by coinage. Publius, uh, Sulpicius, Cornius, or Cyrenius appears in Luke 2, 2, and the writings of Josephus, but also turns up in the ancient stone Lapis Venetus inscription written in Latin that appropriately enough describes his ordering of a census for the Syrian city of Apama. Lucius Junius Gallio, the proconsul of Achaea, who sat as judge of the accusations against the Apostle Paul, see Acts 18.12-17, is confirmed by an inscription found in Greece at Delphi in the late 19th century. 
and Pontius Pilate's name appears on a dedicatory stone from the theater at Caesarea Maritima on Israel's northern coast that was discovered in 1961, end of quote. George's journal weighs in on Pontius Pilate in the following paragraph published February 2022. The Pilate stone was discovered at Caesarea Maritima in 1961 in the theater or arena of the ancient city of Caesarea Maritima on Israel's northern seacoast. This limestone block, 2.7 feet high, 2 feet wide, and 60% of a foot thick, was lying face down and had been used as a step. It had been trimmed down to be reused twice. Two of its four lines read, in English translation, with square brackets marking missing portions that have been supplied by scholars, Pontius Pilate, Prefect of Judea, as shown in inscription Caesarea Maritima, pages 66-70. The inscription could potentially be dated to any time in Pilate's career, but a date between 31 and 36 A.D. seems most likely. The word for the building dedicated to the Emperor Tiberius, Tiberium, is in the first line of the writing. On the line above it is only a mark resembling an apostrophe. On the second line of writings are the last four letters of the family name, Pontius, which was common in central and northern Italy during that era. Still visible, clearly engraved in the stone, is the complete name Pilatus, which is translated into English as Pilate. Pilatus was extremely rare, according to A.N. Sherman White's article. Pilate Pontius, because of the rarity of the name Pilatus, and because only one Pontius Pilatus was ever the Roman governor of Judea, this identification should be regarded as completely certain and redundantly assured. Concerning ancient coins, another method by which biblical people are confirmed, George's journal goes on to say, As with other Roman governors, the coins Pilate issued do not have his name on them, but rather display only the name of the Roman emperor, in this case Tiberius. Pilate's coins also display his distinctive decorations. At Masada, 123 of Pontius Pilate's coins were discovered, according to coins of Masada, end of quote. The March 14, 2022 headline on CBN.com announced, Discovery on Jerusalem Pilgrimage Road proves it was built by the man who crucified Jesus. Excerpts follow. The Roman governor who was responsible for condemning Jesus of Nazareth to death by crucifixion also ordered the construction of a street for pilgrims to enter to follow to the Jewish temple more than 2,000 years ago. National Geographic reports that historians previously thought it was the Roman-appointed King Herod the Great who approved most of the large construction projects that remade ancient Jerusalem into a major pilgrimage and tourist center. But a recent analysis of more than 100 coins found beneath the stepped street point to the start and completion of the effort under Pontius Pilate, who ruled for about a decade starting in A.D. 26 or 27. Coins discovered in the past few years beneath the paving stones date to around A.D. 31. The most common Jerusalem coins from the first century were minted after 40, so not having them beneath the street means the street was built before their appearance, in other words, only in the time of Pilate, 
Donald Ariel, a coin expert with the Israel Antiquities Authority, told the magazine. The road took 10 years for the Romans to build. When it was completed, it ran more than a third of a mile along and uh, long, excuse me, and measured 26 feet wide. More than 10,000 tons of limestone were used in its construction. The places and events and peoples that make Jerusalem, Jerusalem for Christians, for Jews, it all happened here. It happened here in the city of David, said Zeev Orenstein, director of international affairs at the City of David Foundation. This is where the beating heart of Jerusalem is. We're talking about the Pool of Siloam. We're talking about Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount. We're talking about the City of David. The pilgrimage road links them all together, Ornstein told CBN News. For Jews in ancient days, their pilgrimage began at the Pool of Siloam, a giant mikvah or ritual bath, the size of two Olympic swimming pools. They would purify themselves here before going up to the temple to offer their sacrifices. The historian Josephus says 2,000 years ago on the pilgrimage festivals, there would have been more than 2 million people going up on pilgrimage. That's a lot of people that need to bathe, Orenstein explained. The pool is also where Jesus healed the blind man, as recounted in the book of John. Its location was hidden by a road until 15 years ago when a sewage leak led to excavations, the discovery of the pool, and much more. The archaeologists, when they find the Pool of Siloam, they understand that that's the pool, and they know where the temple stood on the Temple Mount 2,000 years ago, the same Temple Mount as today, Ornstein said. This would have been a Times Square. We would have had on both sides of the road, keep in mind the road is about three, four, or five times wider than what we see, you would have had shops, stalls along both sides of the road. This is the center of Jerusalem from a spiritual perspective, from a communal perspective, also from a commerce perspective, he said, end of quote. When you remove all reasonable doubt, all that's left is the unreasonable, and that's the state of the Christ deniers, the critics, and the minimizers. Their situation will only continue to deteriorate. God's word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. God said Psalms chapter 22, 13 through 19. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried out like a potsherd and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. God said, Matthew 27, 1 and 2. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. God said, Matthew twenty-seven twenty-two through 24. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. 
when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Man said, I don't know anything about the Bible, and that's the way I like it. I don't need some lame old book raining on my parade. Anyway, if there is a God of love, he'll just love me just the way I am, warts and lesions and all. Now you have the record.